Thanks for joining us tonight once again. Uh, I've been asked by the multimedia team to say hello to all those that join us on the podcast. Uh, we do have a podcast, and so thanks to everyone who joins us on that as well. Um, I apologize for the fellowship question if it was a little bit too much, but it was intentional to provoke some uh, deep thought. Uh, we're in a, a series in the book of Ephesians, um, which is in the New Testament. It's a letter written by the Apostle Paul uh, to a church that he once went and planted, and he, he's in jail now, and he's writing to them, and he's just encouraging them and teaching them about God. Uh, and today we're in the um, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11 to 22, and we'll get to that. Ten days ago, New Zealand um, had one of their darkest days in all of history. Um, a man armed with semi-automatic weapons and other multiple guns entered two mosques in Christchurch um, with the intention to kill and succeeded in killing 50 people, uh, injuring uh, many more. That's, you know, this is nearly 50 people. Uh, I think if you read more about it and... Uh, one of the sad parts is when you start reading about the victims. Uh, the youngest victim was a, a three-year-old boy. And you hear stories like this and you ask the question, how does this happen? Why does this happen? Uh, earlier in this year, in January, in the Philippines, two bombs exploded in a Catholic church, killing 20 people and other Many other wounded. At the time, uh, ISIS claimed responsibility for this attack. And we scratch our, our heads thinking, why is our world like this? If you know a little bit about what's going on over in, in America at the moment, um, the, the, the divide between the, the blacks and the whites, you know, you'd think that after so many years, um, things would have gotten better, but at the moment, the, the tension is at it, it, one of its highest. Um, there's so many different stories about it, but, but one of them was uh, out of uh, Louisville, Kentucky, where a 51-year-old male shot two black Americans. Why? Now, we can either stick our heads in the sand... Because we live in Australia, one of the safest places in the world. And we can live in, in, in a bubble and we can think to ourselves, oh, you know, that's somewhere else in the world and that doesn't exist in my world. Or we can face reality. And the reality is that the world we live in is broken. The world we live in is divided. And funny enough, it's actually not getting better. You know, technology is improving, but the state of humanity remains as divided or even worse than over a thousand years ago. What's missing? What's missing in this world? What's missing in our world? Peace. Peace is what is missing. The Apostle Paul writes to the believers in, in Ephesus, and he's going to address peace. And he's going to ask the question, how does one obtain peace? 
And it comes through this word, reconciliation. Reconciliation has a few meanings. Uh, Former enemies making a truce. The restoration of friendly relations. To bring together again. That's what peace, uh, that's what reconciliation is. And in the passage that we're going to go to today, Paul's going to address the two most important relationships that exist in this world. The first one being the relationship between God and man. And the second one being man and man. Okay, so the first one Paul addresses is the relationship between man and man. Paul writes to the believers who are in Ephesus. And the church in Ephesus, you know, every church is a little bit, you know, the, the flavor is a little bit different, right? So, you know, if you, if you go to your local Anglican church at 8.30 in the morning, okay, uh, this is not the demographic that you're going to find. You're not going to find a young, predominantly Asian uh, community. You're going to find a relatively older Caucasian community. You know, and every church has a different flavor. And the church in Ephesus, their flavor was that they were Gentiles. Okay, so what's a Gentile? A Gentile is someone that is not a Jew. Okay? So, assuming that no one here is of Jewish descent, which I, I think is pretty safe to say, uh, we are all also Gentiles. And to the Gentiles, Paul is going to speak to them, and he's going to say this in verse 12. And he says this, that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship, in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. Now, this is painting the picture of the Old Testament. The Old Testament, where God chose a man called Abraham, and he chose Abraham, and he said, you know, through you, I'm going to create a nation. I'm going to to create a people. You're going to be my people, and and my salvation, my blessing is going to be for you and only you. But there was only, you were either a Jew you either a Jewish person or you weren't, right? And so God chose the Jews. God chose the Israelites in the Old Testament to be the recipients of His grace and provision. Now, what's the problem? What's the problem? The problem is that firstly, if you weren't a Jew, if you weren't a Jew, you were not included in God's plan of salvation. This is speaking Old Testament. Okay, because you did not belong to God's people. The second issue was that after Jesus died and rose again and, and people started to follow Jesus, non-Jewish people started to follow pe- uh, Jesus, right? Uh, the Jews would be like, hey, that's cool. You can follow our Savior, but you need to be Jewish first, right? And one of the marks of being a Jew was circumcision. I'm not medically trained, nor will I go further into what that is about. You can look that up online. Circumcision. Pretty much the Jews were saying, if you want to be a Christian, if you want to follow Jesus, you need to be circumcised. There's a lot of tension between the Jews and the Gentiles. Verse 13, but now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one, 
and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And we see reconciliation. Reconciliation between Jew and Gentile through Jesus Christ, who is our peace. See, what we need to understand, my friends, is that the solution to this discrimination and hatred between man and man, between nation and nation, between brother and brother, peace does not come through negotiation, terms, plans, and progress. It comes through the man, Jesus Christ. Jesus destroyed the barriers between man for the sake of uniting all humanity under him, taking all of our differences, our brokenness, and he nailed them to the cross. And when he died, he created unity in all people. That's why in Galatians 3.28 it says, There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, there is no, uh, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Peace is not a process. Peace is not an idea. Peace is not some kind of theological concept. But peace is a man, and his name is Jesus. Jesus is the only one that can take away the division between men and create unity and harmony within mankind. Jesus Jesus doesn't make peace. No, Jesus is peace. He's the source of peace. He creates peace. And he brings this peace in the way that he loved and accepted the highest to the lowest, the man and the woman, adult and child, sinner and saint. Jesus is the one that unites the rich and the poor, the healthy and the sick, because he calls everyone to him. The reconciliation between man and man, we can call horizontal reconciliation. Paul's going to continue to move to the next relationship, the relationship between God and man. See, friends, as much as there is a division between man and man, as much as there are wars between men, as much as there is fighting with guns and tanks, equally there is a division, there is a divide between God and man. There is a a, a war between God and man. And as much as we need peace between man and man, we need peace between man and God. But once again, Where does that peace come from? The peace does not come from ourselves, but it comes in the form of Jesus. Verse 16, and in one body to reconcile both of them, meaning the Jews and the Gentiles, Jesus reconciles them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who are far away and peace to you who were near. This peace that Jesus brought was to to people who are far away. And isn't that amazing? Some of us feel like we are far away from God. And some of us feel like we're closer to God. And yet the 
peace that Jesus preaches is for both. Last week, we talked about how sin created the chasm between man and God. And on our own, on our own strength, we cannot bridge that gap. We cannot go back to God. But it was through the death and resurrection of Jesus that created that bridge between man and God. Okay? So therefore, verse 19, consequently, this is, this is the consequences of Jesus bridging the gap. You are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. Not only did Jesus come to reconcile the Jews and the Gentiles, but through the work of the cross, through his blood, he reconciled between God and man. So now, through Jesus, no longer are we strangers, but we are fellow citizens. We are God's people. We are members of his household. Not only do we belong to God, but we are included in his family. And this is the result that was achieved through Jesus. That's why in verse 20, it says that, that Jesus is the chief cornerstone. Jesus is the reason for our reconciliation with God. And we call this vertical reconciliation. God and man. Let me ask you a question. What do you think needs to happen for there to be peace on earth? What do you think is the solution to the brokenness that exists in our world? Now, the amazing thing is this, you, you, you don't have to have lived a long life and you don't have to have had much experience. You can just read the newspaper or watch the news and you cannot deny that our world is broken. And, and, and I'm not just talking about the world out there. You know, I could sit down with you and I could talk about you and your life and, and, and you could tell me about your life and... and, and it would be a bunch of broken pieces. So what's the solution? How do we deal with this, this brokenness in our world? Well, let me tell you what not the answer is. We are not the solution. Can I tell you that? We are not the answer to the wars and the battles that are happening in this world. Humanity does not hold that answer. Think about this. Over the thousands of years of our existence, every area of our life has advanced, right? Every area of our life has advanced. You know, even just in our own lifetime, you know, life has advanced, right? Like mobile phones. You know, there was a time, there was a time where phones were stuck to cords, and some people are like, no, they weren't. <laughs> I've only seen that on the History Channel. You know, it, it wasn't like that. You know, like every area of our life has, has advanced. You know, I, I've, been, I've, been, I've been sick with a cough. You know, a thousand years ago, I probably just would have died. Right? But medicine has advanced so that I could be on, you know, on, med on cough medicine that, that helps me live. Technology, education, information, the world has become smaller. Every area 
of our lives have advanced. And yet, think about the state of humanity. Have we become better? Have, have, is there more peace in this world? There isn't. There is equally as much brokenness, equally as much uh, uh, battle and war and, and broken relationships in this world. And this is all because of the result of sin. Sin is bad. Like, it's not just about doing bad things, that, that, that's what sin is, but the consequences of sin are, are bad too. And I think sometimes, and we talked about this last week, sometimes we kind of like put marshmallows around sin and we kind of go, oh, you know, yes, we did sin, but it's not that bad. No, it is bad. See, what happened was, firstly, the vertical relationship was broken between God and man when Adam and Eve decided that they didn't need God, they didn't want to obey God, that they, they would be their own gods. I don't need God. I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to do what I feel like. And then they broke that vertical relationship between God and man. And then what happened? Only one generation after, only one generation after, we see that the peace was broken between man and man, brother and brother, between the, the sons of Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, where the older brother kills the younger brother. This is the result of sin. And this is the pattern that has continued on for generation and generation and generation. And as I said, everything else has improved in our lives. And yet, all of our efforts to beat racism, to win against discrimination, what does it come to? It's still the same, if not worse. Please don't fool yourself. Please don't live with your heads in the sand to think that, you know, that we, you know, everything is good and dandy. It's not. We are as evil and wicked as ever. You know, the rise of internet, right, has, has given voice. You know, it's allowed us to be the most connected world ever, a connected society ever. And yet one of the, the side effects is it's actually given voice to people that hate things together. And now you can troll, you can criticize, you can create hate with just a click of a mouse. Friends, the answer of peace does not lie in the efforts of man, but only lies in the person of Jesus. Jesus is the only one that can reconcile our broken relationships with God and the broken relationships that exist in mankind. It's that vertical, it's that horizontal uh, re re reconciliation that was represented on the cross. That when Jesus died, he created peace between God and man and between men. We can only truly experience peace, true reconciliation with God and man through Jesus and Jesus alone. In modern day, one name continues to be used as the example of peace. 
the example of reconciliation, a man named Martin Luther King Jr. Martin Luther King Jr. Now, a lot of people know Martin Luther King Jr. as the activist that that catalyzed the American people to change their ways to do with racial discrimination. But can I tell you, before Martin Luther King Jr. was an activist, before the I have a dream speech, before all of that, actually, he was a Baptist pastor. So we all know the activist part of it, but we don't know the the pastor part. You know, we all, you know, most of us here would have at least heard the speech you know, the, the famous speech that he that started with the, the words, I have a dream. But, but you know, he, he did some really amazing things. If you want to uh, read a great biography, if you want to learn about uh, an incredible life, Martin Luther King Jr., please read about him. Some of the most important things that he achieved in his lifetime, some of the things that we just take for granted. And I was telling the guys in, in, in the pre-service, it would be interesting to hear what the Australian version of this was. Because as much as there, is, uh, there are issues between the, the, the black and the white Americans, you know, we still have issues here in Australia too, especially to do with the indigenous people. And I'm sure we have our own versions of this. But, but during Martin Luther King Jr.'s time, some of the things that he achieved, 1955, allowing black people to ride public transport. Right now, in our minds, right? That's just a God-given right for any, ber- any, any person with an Opal card. You know, anyone that can brave city rail, you're welcome. You know, you can get on that train. You can get on that bus. But it wasn't like that, especially in America. And people had to fight for that right. In 1964, just after his famous speech, that speech triggered the American government to pass what they call the Civil Rights Act. And the Civil Rights Act essentially eliminated legalized racism. So, for example, for example, restaurants. You had the white section, and then at the back, you'd had the black section. And the black people were not allowed to eat in the white section. That was called legalized, legalized racism, legalized segregation. You know what? I'd love to say that the Christian were exe- Christians were exempt from this, but the church was the same. You had the white part of the church, and then you had the black part. The year after, 1965, after the government to, uh, uh, got rid of uh, legalized race, racial segregation, it was only in 1965 where black people were allowed to vote. It's only been, if you think about it, It was only the previous president of the United States who was a a black man, the first black man to be voted as the president of the United States. We're not talking like we're not talking like thousands of years ago. We're, We're talking about in our own generation some of these things that are happening. You know, this man, Martin Luther King Jr., he's an amazing man, but but the question that, that, we, that, that, that you have to ask was, why did he do this? Like, why did he, why did he give up his life? And, and he died. He was assassinated. Why did he give up his life uh, for the sake of equality, for the sake of this? 
I'm going to read you some of the, the, the quotes, and you tell me where all his motivation and hopes of peace come from. The first one is this, I think the first reason that we should love our enemies, and this is him talking to his own people, the first reason why we should love our enemies, and I think this was at the very heart of, uh, very center of Jesus' thinking, is this, the hate, that hate for hate only intensifies the existence of hate and evil in the universe. That hate for hate only intensifies the existence of hate. But where did that come from? The center of Jesus' thinking. He also said, Jesus says, love your enemies. Love has within it a redemptive power, and there is a power there that eventually transforms individuals. Jesus says. And in that speech, the I have a dream speech, the last paragraph reads this, and when this happens, and he's talking about equality, and when we allow freedom to ring, and when we let it ring from every village and every hamlet, every city and state, we will be able to speed up that day when all of God's children, black men and white men, Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics, will be able to join hands and sing in the words of the old Negro spiritual, free at last, free at last, thank God Almighty, we are free at last. The inspiration and motivation be behind Martin Luther King Jr. was not that he himself was good was not that he felt the, the need for peace, that, that he could do something about it, but he knew Jesus. That was the source of peace. His motivations came through the life and teachings of Jesus because he knew that this was the only way that real peace could be experienced and obtained. Friends, peace is not just some ideology. Peace is not just some wishful thinking. It's not a plan. It's not an organization. It's not a charity. Peace is a person, and his name is Jesus. And when Jesus died on the cross, he reconciled God with man. And he reconciled man with each other. We all need peace. You know, I could start asking you questions about the relationships that you have in your life. Start asking you questions about your family. And I'm pretty sure just based on the statistics, that there's a lot of brokenness. You know, and people will say, well, how do, you, how do you reconcile that? How do you reconcile with someone that, you know, you don't get along with or maybe have done you wrong? And the Scriptures tell us that it's not going to come out of your negotiation. It's not going to come out of you writing a nice letter. But real peace can only come through Jesus. Real peace can only come when both people get to know Jesus and what Jesus was about. We all need this peace. We all need peace with God. We all need peace with man. If you want peace on earth, if you want to see the end of wars and battles, if you want to see true reconciliation between nations between brothers, between families, 
If you want to experience real peace in your life, the answer is Jesus. He is our true peace. Let's pray.